0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Casual Shooters Podcast. You have me, Dave, your host, Leo, and Chris. Go ahead and say hello, guys. And and we have a guest this week again, Jill McDaniel. Say hello, Jill. Hi. I was going to say what she is, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. So go ahead, Jill, take a minute or two and introduce yourself.
1: My name is Jill McDaniel. I, First and foremost, I'm a wife and mother here in the great state of Virginia. I am also the state director for the D.C. Project, Women for Gun Rights, here in Virginia. I am the East Coast lead, I guess you could say, for One Million Moms Against Gun Control, and I run my own advocacy called Mom at Arms. So. Awesome. <laughs> Very pro 2 <2A>. way. <laughs>
0: yes, that's awesome. So And so are we. And we're all firefighters with Prince William County, so... Yes, well,
1: well, thank y'all very much for what y'all do. I'm down here in Pennsylvania County in Danville City, I
0: guess. Oh, wow, you are just barely in the state.
1: Yeah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people ask, like, you know, make it, to, make it to D.C., and I'm like, I'm practically driving from North Carolina.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a long way.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, um, so we're going to get started with our get-to-know-you questions. First one is, okay. what's your favorite movie?
1: Oh my gosh, Little Mermaid. No, um, <laughs> uh, there's so many. Uh, Little Mermaid, yeah. Uh, Super Troopers. I, I'm movie buff. Um, Super I, I'm a cops kid, so Super Troopers. Um, what else? Boondock Saints. I mean, I can go on for days. Uh, <laughs> what else? Oh yes um what else uh oh gosh these days i'm a mom so these days it's anything star wars oh so of course star wars you know i I come from a i'm I'm a, a big big star wars family here i actually have uh it says uh i am a jedi like my father before me on this wall behind me this uh my Son's nursery is getting turned into my office. Oh. So he's a big boy now. He gets his bigger room. There
0: you go. So how old is your son?
1: He's four. Okay. Four and wide open.
0: (laughs) Mine are uh, 20, almost 21, and 18.
1: Wow. Wow. I don't want to even think. I mean, like, four came fast. Four, I mean, I'm just uh, the rest
0: of them go fast too too. they actually go faster
1: yeah Yeah, i mean we're already like he's he's a um end of the year baby He's a december baby and we're here we are almost almost i mean we're almost in may and i'm sitting here thinking to myself oh my gosh (laughs) you know he's almost five (laughs) so it's it's nuts it's so nuts
0: so what is your favorite book
1: my favorite book oh gosh I'm a, I have a little background in religion and philosophy, and there are several books. I'm like really big into like Western, like I'm trying my best not to be too nerdy, but I would say um, anything by... Dan Brown, (laughs) you know, like demons, you know, angels and demons and stuff like that. I I like, I like the mystery behind stuff, but I also like it to um, kind of also represent historical facts. Um, It doesn't have to be like you know completely factual. I mean, it keeps, it has to keep me intrigued. But
0: like, like maybe a historical fiction? fiction.
1: Um. Well. There's another, there is a book that is kind of like in line with that. It's called, I can't remember the author's name right off the top of my head, but it is called Holy Grail. It's the, um, kind of the principle of behind, um, Dan Brown's when he went into the whole Angels and Demons and, um, those movies that came out with Tom Hanks. (laughs) I'm trying to think, I like you, you put me on the spot with that one because I have so many. And then, of course, The Art of War. Art of War is awesome, but don't ask me to say his name, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Southern Virginia, so if you ask me to say anything, since you. <laughs> So Close I kind of get all the pieces on it, yeah, so, but, um, yeah, and then, um, these days, it's it's law books. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> yeah. Constitution, you yeah. know, that type of thing. Yeah,
1: the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, the Constitution I have that right.
2: Little known books nowadays,
0: you know. Federalist uh, papers, uh, you know. Yes. Yes. So along those lines then, favorite historical character or person, I'm sorry, not character. Wow. Um, oh, my gosh. I, I wouldn't, I
1: mean more or less these days because of this activism it's more or less groups um our, our founding fathers are really like tripping me out these days because everything is kind of coming into play with you know as history repeats itself mm-hmm. and i'm just sitting here thinking about you know a historical care if I, if I had to these days, I, I couldn't tell you like one in particular. I would have to say our founding fathers because they knew this was coming. They did. And and I'm, I can't say that I'm. <sighs> I mean, it, it's amazing to me watching these these roles play out in this activism, and then you kind of sit back and you look up, you know, if you could do your random Google quote and find. Um, just find something by you know one of them in particular. I, mean, I you're you're gonna see like it fits the narrative for what we are right now. So I I can't I I, I can't do that one. <laughs> I have to say our founding fathers as a as a group. I like it. That's good. Right
0: yeah. yeah. And they definitely uh yeah they're uh, they're very pertinent as pertinent today as they were then.
1: Very much so very much so i i i wish I, I was even saying to myself um before coming on to this i was like it's amazing <sighs> seeing myself in the position i am now and i'm not some some big name or anything like that by any means in the you know the second amendment world but um I, my history teachers from high school are probably so proud of me right now they're probably like She stayed awake, you know, (laughs) she actually did not, you know, she wasn't asleep the entire time. So it's, uh, yeah. So right now it's, it's, it's definitely a time to reflect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So being a, being a two way advocate, um, what is your favorite gun?
1: I am a Smith and Wesson fanatic. I love, I don't know what it is. I like, everybody's like Glock and, and my husband's Glock <laughs> <Plop. laughs> or sig and all that. I'm all about some Smith & Wesson I, I my dad uh, before he passed passed down to my siblings and I and my mother um, some of his collection and I have a Smith & Wesson 44 magnum that I am that's that's my baby and <laughs> I treat it like I treat, and it's just—it started from there. I mean, the first one of the first firearms I ever fired was a Smith and Wesson. I believe it was—I want to say it was a nineteen eleven, maybe. Okay. I'm going. I'm going back. I know Berettas are in there too, but definitely Smith and Wesson.
0: So, what about your favorite caliber? (laughs)
1: Forty-five.
0: Can't go wrong with that. (laughs) No.
1: I nine, I, you know, my, my everyday is a nine millimeter, but I have my my forty five, my trusty, and it's just uh, it's it, it's like you said, you can't go wrong with it. I mean, if you have a really good aim and you're sighted in really well, I mean, it's it, nothing's gonna you know whatever's coming at you's gonna stop. Right. <laughs> so,
0: so yeah. okay, so we brought you on because um, but, with everything going on, uh, the one thing that I that doesn't get a lot of discussion, I think, are women's Second Amendment groups. And we thought that would be a really good idea is to bring somebody on to represent them and, and talk about it. So how did you get into this?
1: Um, firearms have always been a way of life. For my family, and when I say a way of life, I mean like I grew up. I mean, I, you know, grew up in the southern part of Virginia. I'm from a farming community, hunting community, um, and being the daughter of a police officer, especially, it was one of those things where my dad was very adamant about. Uh, you know, I have an older brother, but he was adamant about my sister and I being very self-aware. And being um, just ready to protect ourselves if if needed and you know of course growing up and he taught us about firearms he taught us about safety training and so forth it wasn't until the last I want to say ten years or so it's when the political aspects that that I started to notice um, where it was condemning firearm ownership among all groups um, that paved the way for more gun control that we're seeing today. And I spoke out about it as just a a normal person or whatever, but um, when it came down to the last five or six years, it's when the propaganda started to kind of become more noticeable. You had more groups like women, women actually speaking out against self-defensive measures and I could not believe that I could not I could not understand groups like Moms Demand Action and you know these uh, every town groups and even them getting kids involved with Students Demand Action and March for Our Lives I could not understand how they would want to put a quick fix on something that you can't legislate the the root issue to the problem away. I mean, you can't legislate evil. You can't do it. So, watching all that, and you know, I started to speak up a little bit more on social media feeds and stuff like that, and saying, you know, this is not right. What they're talking about is just completely baloney, complete baloney. And, um, and that's when I started to get in with more people like One Million Moms Against Gun Control, um, and then we, I, was introduced to the D.C. project, Women for Gun Rights, and um, and, and just, I found my own little, com- you know, these little communities of women like myself that grew up with these same principles and these same values, like, you know, it, we're our own protectors. It's not the government. It's, it's we're our own. This is how we were raised. This is how we were, you know, to- told and taught to do things for eons and eons, centuries, you know, before even us. And... So that's how I kind of got more. Um, I stepped up more. You know, I started my own advocacy, which is more so along countering propaganda, and but then I also, you know, within One Million Moms Against Gun Control, as well as the DC project, they're like, well, we need that here as well. We need we need somebody on that that front line to kind of help us as women and families and mothers and aunts and so forth. Grandmothers, you know, we need to be that collective voice, and how are we going to do that? And the best way to do that is to put our voice in front of legislators who are only hearing the anti, and I I don't necessarily call them anti-gun, but I call them anti-2A groups because... They have better funding, but we have a stronger collective here in the Pro 2A um, right uh, Pro 2A community, and that's something that the more and more and more of these legislators need to hear. So that's pretty much how it, That's a, a, a shorter version, so to speak. Okay, <laughs> I have a longer version, but it'll take forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you said something about you can't legislate evil, and I think that's yeah. easily pointed out, you know, if people actually looked at the statistics from the FBI crime page, you'll see that, you know, more people die from being beaten to death every year than by or that are killed by rifles. So That's exactly yeah. right. But yet they want to as you said legislate out the guns, the or the rifles anyway, thinking that's going to fix the evil. And it doesn't. People, you know, we know of people using vans and cars and, and everything else. I uh, Here's one for you. I was at work one day and got a call for a guy whose wife tried. She stabbed him with a Phillips head screwdriver ten times. Then she hit him in the head with a vase. Then when he walked out of the house, she got in the car and chased him around the neighborhood in her car. I mean, you know. If people, if people are, if they lose it, they lose it. They're going to use whatever they have. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a gun. It can be a vase. It can be a screwdriver. It can be a car. You know, evil is evil. So you can't, you can't fix it. That's
1: exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I, and because, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, I don't want to make this sound like a sermon, but when it comes down to my faith, I mean, one of the earliest, you know, means of, of that type of evil was cain and abel you know the dude got hit out knocked out with a rock i mean you know i mean this is that's just a you know even before then if you go back into more you know more of history of neanderthals and stuff like that they used what they could to uh, you know like rocks sticks i mean stuff like that and i think people and i know that it sounds kind of weird and like oh you know she pulled that out of left field but when you think about it in the terms of what evil it is in today's society you're not seeing anything different than what we've seen in prior historical stories and in yeah. and, you know, theology and stuff like that so it's kind of people have to understand that regardless of the tool evil is still there you can't take the tool away and <laughs> And even if you don't think of it in like the grand, grand theological or you know, aspect of things, I mean, there's good and bad people in this world, and you know, what are we going to do? What are what are we good people going to do to stop the bad people? Hold up, a new law, you know, like oh, you can't do that. Right. (laughs) Logically, I mean, you're not getting anywhere with me on
0: that. You're not. And as you stated, I mean, all you're doing is removing the ability of someone else to defend themselves. Exactly. Um, so how... Okay, so you you got... Oh, I guess I didn't silence my phone. Um, so you got into, you started Mom at Arms, and how did you get linked up with all the other groups?
1: Well um mom in arms I, it, it that started off as just me kind of putting my thoughts to paper and then it kind of gained some headway um and you know we're, we're living in a digital age so everything was anytime I, I wrote something or published something i digitally you know put it out into the twitterverse or facebook or something like that and I just kind of let it fly um and then just certain people um, in the political world, started to read it, and they started reaching out to me. And at before that, I was for—I guess you could say—for fun, but also for the two-way mission. I was part of a group of folks who kind of met up to troll gun grabbers. <laughs> I mean, we—that's we, 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 we trash talk gun grabbers, and that it, it it kind of spurred the interest into kind of putting more of the truth out there and mom-at-arms became something from that so my research partner um, who stays pretty much anonymous in all of this is good pals with um, Ronda Ezel and uh, Chicago Chicago guns matter the big uh, Ronda Ezell for she, Zell versus Chicago, um, and she kind of hooked me. You know, we we kind of chatted and talked, and she helped kind of boost me even more. I mean, to other folks, like here's this concept that Jill has going on. You know, pay attention to it, see what she can do for us, and um, it kind of went from there. I mean, that's how I met um, Mary Schuster Callison. I always get her last names mixed up, but I think I'm saying it right. That I'm out. Mary Callison, Schuster. or she's one million moms against gun control. Um, Rebecca Schmoy, and then that's uh, their their foundation, which one million moms against gun control is the original group that went up against one million moms for gun control, which is now Moms Demand Action. Um, and then I. Uh, from there, that's when I met Diana Mueller and joined the DC Project and kind of got <laughs> uh, hyped up to do, take the state director position away after a wonderful lady who was doing it before me. Um, she just kind of got busy. so. But I see it as a collective for all of us, um, especially to advance for 2A rights, especially for women in the 2A community. And... Pretty much how I got it. I, I would have to give a lot to a lot of my social media pals, and I, I can't name them all, but um, definitely Ronda Zell and my research partner. They've they've really helped me a whole lot to kind of get in the know. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm not a pro. I mean, I'm not a pro shooter. I'm not a pro pro, uh, lead, you know, a, a lobbyist or anything like that. I mean, I'm coming from you're uh, a mom, just someone who, yeah. I'm a mom, yeah. and I'm a very, very, very staunch believer in individual liberty and knowing right from wrong. Uh, the golden rule in my home growing up, and as well as in my home now, was, has always been the golden rule, <laughs> you know, so, and I believe that that... If more families and individual you know like just families in general or communities actually went by that I think we would live in a much happier place and be able to combat a lot of these horrible issues that we're seeing today a lot easier if there were more values like that so the DC project and one million moms against gun control are are my kind of people for that. <laughs> yeah, they're my they're my moms, they're my girlfriends,
0: you know, so we're um Yeah, I mean, I I pulled right. up the DC project uh website while you were talking. And and I, but I've been on here before. And um I actually made a donation before. And I, if you scroll through there just through the different directors, I mean, you have everybody from every walk of life in there. Yes
1: have you have survivors of violence you have survivors of gun violence you have survivors of um just life in general i guess you could say you have people that um who have been in the shooting industry for years you have people who are doctors are lawyers are engineers are you know neurosurgeons i mean just i mean such an amazing group of women and mothers, sisters, i mean other activists, you know, other civil rights activists. It's just an amazing group of women. They all have this through our diversity, we all have a very common ground and that's that's individual freedom and and protect, self-protection. We want to be able to protect ourselves as well as one another for the good. For the good. I mean, that's Right. <laughs> That, the simplest way of putting it is, we're doing this for the good.
3: Uh,
0: I, I do like your website, by the way. Um, and I've noticed that you must be, do you do all of your social media stuff yourself?
1: No. Um, for mom-at-arms, no.
0: Okay, because um, there is a lot of information that comes out on that. <laughs>
1: We are, Mom at Arms is an info dump 24-7. Yes, yes it
0: is. That that is accurate.
1: We are, we are constant. We have, what started off as just me, this woman, mom from Southern Virginia to doing it, was doing it all by myself. I have, it's amazing because I have had these people step up as volunteers to to help either contribute information, they do research, they um, they write, they um, they or they help us with the um, social media pages a lot. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I just let them uh, I have a, another friend here in um, in Southern Virginia who, is, uh, we call her Pearl, <laughs> she is a of uh, from, she is African descent, she actually came here from Africa, okay. she is uh, uh, Tanzanian and she came here from Africa and then she when she was in her teens and as she, she grew up, she grew up pro-gun, you know, <laughs> I mean like she knew it, she knew why that, you know, and uh, she helps me a lot, but we also, because of her background, she is a domestic uh, violence survivor. She um, and just because of things that she's seen in her life, she's also working in the medical field now. She, uh, yeah, exactly. She's very, very. Uh, you know, she's she's taught me a lot. <laughs> I think that the the fun part. Is I come from a very either it's law enforcement or medical field family, but it's always good to have that one friend that comes in and says, "Oh, well, your family's actually sugarcoating some of this, not to scare you." Right. <laughs> She's gonna be the one that's gonna like totally wake me up to the actual and the reason why I'm not in the medical field, because um, that can scare you. Uh, but God bless those of y'all who do. But um. But she also joined, because we wanted to kind of keep the trolling going with uh, trolling gun grabbers, she joined Moms Demand Action um, about a year ago. And she kind of gets, she even got her sister <laughs> to join with her. Oh, wow. And they are part of two different chapters in the state of Virginia. And they, well, this it's the same, pretty much the same chapter, but in two different counties. But, um... They uh, they they get intel. They're they're quick with it too. So, and that's pretty much how we get get our info with Mom at Arms. I it just it, it, it's a collaboration of people. Sometimes it can kind of get chaotic, but we um, everybody works well together. So I just uh, I'm very I'm very grateful, very grateful for for my Mom at Arms team. They are. They, they keep it
0: rolling so. it, it seems to me as though and this is anecdotal okay but of all of the legal immigrants that I've met or worked with because Leo and I Leo and I are active paramedics um, and we work with a guy at the training academy out there who came from Africa um, and I had talked uh, not too long ago with a guy that came that immigrated from Europe and some other places and every one of them ends up being more of a, I'm just going to say conservative because they believe in all those rights and not getting rid of any of them. You know, Gabby Franco, uh, you've probably met her. I'm sure you know her way more than I do. I've only met her briefly, but you know, another immigrant who's like, no, 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 you don't want to do away with this. Leo's parents. Go ahead, Leo.
2: <clears throat> yeah, my uh, my parents uh, both emigrated from Central America. So uh-huh. close neighbors with uh, yeah. with Miss Gabby. And um, yeah, one of the, uh, and Dave had, we, we had interviewed each other as one of our episodes. And David asked me about it very specifically because we've had talks about it at work uh-huh. and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And as, as a first generation American with parents who came from a country and literally fought against communism and socialism and government overreach, my parents told me something very scary one day and they said, this is exactly what it was like right before civil war broke out in our country. Yeah. Um, and that's not to, to be hyperbolic or say, hey, we're like civil war is the next step. Yeah. Um, but when people who have experienced violence as a regular part of their daily life tell you and, and came to a country where they said freedom is the most important thing and you will be of service to your country um, and you know for them to say you need to be scared that's that's eye opening that's that's oh, yeah, that's, very much that's so. something that you know is concerning as somebody who you know has two very small children that worries me every day.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: So, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah,
0: Absolutely, it really
1: is. It really is. I, I don't think I. When I started to become more outspoken in this in this activism, I mean overall, I, personally, I'm more of an independent than I am a Republican or anything else. Um, I tend to be more of a fiscal conservative, but when it comes down to. Uh, a lot of pals call me the closet humanitarian <laughs> because when it when it comes down to two way rights, I'm very staunch. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going to touch my guns. But anything else, I tend to like, I'm very, I, I'm a person, I, I put myself in other people's shoes off. And I do that even in this Second Amendment you know, activism, I, in thinking about how um, our opposition works. Uh, we. And to have that empathy I think is very important but to find where where logic <laughs> logic becomes the the where you know logic fails in some of those conversations when it, uh, from the, the gun-grabbing world and I, and it's kind of hard to not be not be defensive of the Second Amendment because of that and I, I've but listening to stories like, you know, your, your families or Gabby's or even my friend, or Pearl's, who, um, and, listen to, and just how they, how these, historically for us even, you know, if you look, what we were talking about with Founding Fathers earlier, you can't help but think of this is where we're all coming from. And when we see, the best thing I can say. When my dad was an FBI affiliate, and um, he passed in 2001, but right before he passed, 9/11 happened, and I can remember him sitting there, and you know, very, very hardcore Republican, um, but he was very, he was very fair in how he he thought things out and and, and delivered you know messages that he had to because he was also a police captain. And I can remember him sitting there and telling me, he was like, don't put all your fish or don't put all your, um, yeah, he says, don't, don't, when it comes down to the government, don't cast your reel into the same pond over and over and over again. He was like, because they are going to, and he was a big fisherman, and they're going to totally, you're not always going to come back up with the best, um, with the best catch and he he told me he's like don't trust them he's like you you just can't i mean this is this is a man that you know pretty much worked for the government <laughs> yeah you know, he worked for well, so he has
0: first-hand years. experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah and
3: he's
1: like exactly and he's like you know he was just so devastated by that you know nine eleven devastated him I and mean, he was just i mean he was so heartbroken and then um but he told me he's like i mean it was just him and i sitting there i mean i woke up i thought i was watching a movie. Cause we were big into like uh, Kirk Douglas and um, Mel Gibson movies, you know, where they play the you know cops and uh, or either big big government people, and they go undercover and stuff like that. You just like these just awesome adventure movies, you know, mystery adventures and stuff like that. But I think it was a movie where um, I want to say it was could have been Michael Douglas. But it was one of these Douglas boys that he played, he was on an airplane that was aimed for the Capitol. And I thought, I seriously thought when my dad woke me up on 9-11, that that was what we were watching. I thought we were watching that movie. And Air Force One, maybe, I can't Executive remember.
2: Executive decision.
1: Yeah, there you go, that's
0: it. Um, hey, he's our movie expert. I didn't want
2: to interrupt your flow, but I was like, I know the answer. You know,
1: you know, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> right? But I thought we were watching that and I was complete. I was just blown away. And, but I could just, just hearing my father, I can hear my father's voice, like even, I mean, that was back in 2001. And I can hear him now saying, don't trust them. Don't trust. He's like, this is just the start. He says, you're about to see something, you know, he, whole history lesson right then and there in that moment of shock. And he's like, this is just the start. He was like, you're going to see something completely spiral from, from all of this. He was like, moments of peace, appreciate them, but be proactive in what you're about to, you know, what this is showing you right now. Be proactive. And, I, and that, that to me, is what what I want Mom-at-Arms to be, even though we kind of info-dump left and right. But I, I want us to be proactive in getting information across or at least being an archive for individuals to, to see that and, um, or to have a place to go, you know, as long as it's there. (laughs) So, but, um, nowadays there's no telling, (laughs) but we might get kicked off tomorrow, but right right now I, um, the pro act, that's what I like to call us is not, we're not necessarily activists, but because of our diversity within Mom-at-Arms and just the stories that we know, like Gabby, and um, who's a big supporter of us, she's helped. Um, we, we love her stuff. We use her as a reference often, and then Pearl, of course, and then just everybody else that we have. We have a lady in California who's of Mexican and Japanese descent, and I mean, just... I mean, Wait, those are <laughs>
0: separated by a large ocean. How does that happen?
1: That... Yeah. America, that's
3: where
1: America, that's right. America. America. <laughs> but that, I mean, but that, and, but that's how it works, you know. So I mean, just and with all of that it, shoved together under the title "Mom at Arms," we uh, we, we want to try to stay as proactive as we possibly can in in, in preserving our rights. So,
0: so I, I want to so. take a second to go to go back in time here a few minutes. Okay. um because i pulled up the fbi crime statistic data table eight um i and, and so you know i teach the um wound ballistic class for our paramedic program in prince william county okay. so i usually quote this type of stuff so just as a comparison so for those people listening and and for our own edification here for people who have murdered other people using a knife or some other type of cutting instrument, a blunt object or a personal weapon, which means hands, feet, that type of thing. Those come out to 2,473. The total number of people killed with a rifle and shotgun combined is 564. One, roughly one fifth of the number. So it just goes back to what we're saying, you know, you can't legislate evil because those individuals just used whatever they had available like they have example hammer you know somebody had a hammer oh, laying nearby I'll, and
2: yeah i think that that pistol and rifle statistic also includes uh police defensive uses of force included so, in the murder oh is yeah. that what it is okay.
0: well, I, but here's the other thing now if you listen to johns hopkins and they are a top tier institution they estimate Every year, 200,000 people die from medical mistakes. But you don't hear anything about, you know, we're going to take away doctors or hospitals or anything else.
1: Which is funny, too, because Michael Bloomberg pays into Johns Hopkins University for their statistics uh, on gun violence. Ah. Which is like, which... Merges suicide by gun yes. into their yes, they overall, do. Yes. and mm-hmm.
0: that is, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at 2019, the total number, total number of murders is 13,927, which is actually on a downward trend for the last four yeah. years. 2016, it hit a high, came down a little bit in 2017. Came down a little bit more in 2018. Come down a little bit more in 2019. Um, that's total number of murders, including everything. If you look at firearms, it's 10,000, which is a lot of people. And that's not something to scoff at. But the issue is, not, the yeah. issue is not the fact that people own guns. It's the fact that you, it's,
1: it's not. And that's exactly right. And that's where a lot of people, especially you, see these these middle these people that ride the middle, the middle aisle. And when it comes down to gun ownership, that's what they are being swayed by. I don't want to necessarily say manipulated because a lot of them actually do kind of, well, you know. I'll um, say it. (laughs) I want to be nice, I want to keep it somewhat, I don't know who watches.
0: Yes, (laughs) you maintain your side. I'll I'll, I'll be the opposing voice of Jill. um,
1: Tell people all the time, like when you're looking at the statistics and you're trying to push the "well, 40,000 gun deaths a year" type of thing, you have to realize that there is there is a separation of tool and issue so you have a tool that is a uh, that is you know that can be used as a weapon it can also be used as a preservation aspect such as hunting and whatever yeah you know um, but it's also a self it can be used for self-defense those are the issues behind what the tool represents so if you take that tool away take it be you know make it a firearm these people that come in and say, you know, so many people died by these many, you know, like what we were talking about with suicides being included into those statistics. Those individuals have an issue where it comes down to mental health. If you take the firearm away, you are still going to have opioid issues. You're still going to have overdose. You're still going to have addictions. You're still going to have all of these things that are going to lead to even more serious issues within their own. So if you take all of those away, what, what happens? You know, if you take away... These things that are still being used to, excuse me, still being used to regulate an issue are still also the problem. I mean, look at the many people that are, that are just doped up on... And I hate the expression, but doped up on antidepressants but are still killing themselves, Uh, uh, you know, having suicidal tendencies and stuff. I mean, y'all know it's it's EMS workers and paramedics and fire department. Y'all know these things. This is what you're seeing. And for anyone anyone should deny that. And going back to legislating evil, I don't call these people that have these issues evil by any means because it's really sad. It's a very sad-ass weekend coming. I have, you know, like my family, medical people in my family, and I hear these stories all the time. But I think about it, I, I think about how going, you know, thinking about those statistics as far as medical malpractice and stuff like that. These things are not getting the awareness that they need to. I mean, if we're going to be saving lives, we should be doing it across the entire board. You know, if we're not... If medical malpractice issues are 10 times greater or 100 times greater than that of gun violence or gun death issues, then why are we not pinpointing that as a major problem in society in order to help maintain a more healthy and functional mental health you know avenue to go down so we can avoid other types of suicide by gun or even, you know, complete freak out sessions where these people are coming off their meds and having a, having a spiral and they go off and they want to, you know, commit some kind of mass murder or something. I'm passionate about that. So I apologize if all of that came out as like just word vomit, but that, I mean, to me, it's just, it's asinine to think that if we are going to take away guns as a tool that has killed people. Then why are we not doing the same thing with drug, you know, medically, you know, prescription medical, you know, prescriptions that also instigate the same thing?
0: Right, and and okay. it, I'm go through. ahead, Chris. I
4: want to inject. I want to inject here just one second with the fact that I agree with you, Jill, 100. percent Um, The other thing that I wanted to add was the fact that they don't even look at the deaths by vehicles, you know More accidents have killed people and they have not said hey We're gonna stop making cars, you know, or you cannot have a vehicle No, they don't say that because the people the uh, CEOs the presidents of those companies have so much money that they dump it in their pocket And they go don't you say a word don't you say anything because look at that money in your pocket and if you say anything i'm going to expose you because you took a bribe from me you know so that you know that game that they play not and then i'm going to jump to the fact that they have never had to survive those people who have always had things handed to them they've never had to go out and live on the farms raise cattle do stuff of that nature and 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 survive by themselves they probably the only time they ever picked up a rifle is probably when they went to Africa somewhere to do a yeah. big game hunt shot an animal and then left and came back and said oh look at me I yeah. shot a big lion it's like yeah you know it, it's not it's not like they go out here every day and sit there and say okay I've got to find a deer that's gonna feed my family during the winter time because I'm getting laid off during the winter time and I've got to feed my family those people have no idea no clue yet they'll be the first persons to run to your house when somebody's coming after them, or they don't have something, they're gonna be going, "Oh, Jill, you know, can I come to your house and and um, where that uh, you know, we won't be way. Yeah, okay. Now you want something from me. Yeah. But yet you didn't. You know, and the other time you were just like, oh, no, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's bad. I'm like, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get off I, my soapbox. I, I totally,
1: actually, yeah, like, just... my, when I say I grew up in uh, hunting and farming, but my, my dad, going back to that, he was, he grew up a poor farm boy, you know, he grew up tobacco fields, you know, milking cows and everything. He And he raised my brother, especially my brother and I, my sister is a little bit, she was a little bit more spoiled than what we were. but. um but you know, I know what it's like to go and stock up on string beans and butter beans and I mean pull digging taters and stuff like that cuz my parents <laughs> Now I appreciate it. Back then I hated it. Right. <laughs> but I mean like you tell me, I mean other than the frost that we randomly got here in Virginia, I I was having some of my own growing, but I hope I can save them. But when it comes down to, like what you were saying, it's going to be the mentality that we have that we can live off the land. We're not entitled. We're not, we know how to survive, and we know how to not regulate one another, but regulate ourselves in order to, you know, find our Find our footing if something happened, and it's gonna be these folks. And I, I, <laughs> I pick all the time. You know, like I, I pray that Mom's demand action does not end up at my door because I don't know whether or not I'm gonna be. Because I'm a Christian woman, <laughs> I'm gonna <to> help them, <laughs> but I'm also gonna sit there and say, why, <laughs> you know, not me? Go somewhere else. <laughs> don't put me in that spot. But I
0: mean, that. And going back to something you said earlier uh jill um according to the cdc they found that americans use their firearms defensively between 500 and 3,000 and 3 million times each year so that is way more than you know the number of deaths that occur by firearms so now you're saying we want to take all of that opportunity away from these individuals
1: What's sad is actually looking into that even more is that now we are coming out of a pandemic where the the CDC has gotten so much prominence, so much popularity that now these anti-gun groups are actually coming in and pushing the CDC even more into, or at least pushing the government even more into funding the CDC for gun control measures. Right. So this is like... I, I, you know, I, I try not to get into the whole COVID thing or anything like that too much. But where opportunity was there, they found it, and you know, here we are. So well, I, I want to know what you were saying with those statistics by the CDC. How are they going to change once there's more government funding into gun research through the CC, You know, gun violence research through the CDC. I want to know. Look at the media now. I mean. Four years of Trump or whatever, if you liked him or not. We didn't hear about all these shootings and stuff like that, like what we're doing now. They already have the media in their pocket. You know, these anti-gun groups, they have the media in their pocket. That's that's a given. I mean, if you look into Bloomberg and his background, he is in all these other groups, they have a lot of media background. And if they can do that with the media, then imagine what else they can do. I mean, I mean, Johns Hopkins, I mean, they're, they're already with, Bloomberg is a big funder of Johns Hopkins. So what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? That's 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 where I've, I'm passionate about, that's my soapbox, <laughs> you know, like stop, you know, that's where the money, watch the money, right. everybody, you know, hear that, you know, follow the money, follow the money. Well, there it is, it's right there. Yep. This is what's gonna, and these issues are going to, this money, these research, this issue, these issues, or um, these statistics are going to reflect, and especially what y'all do as paramedics, firefighters, uh, police, police officers, and any, anybody else that you know as a civil servant or <laughs> anything like that as a public servant, it's going to reflect in that because you're not going to know how to control that data when it comes down to how you teach your classes. You're not going, it's going to be, it's going to create a confusion. And that's what they want to do. That's what these groups want to do. They want to create a confusion within the, the institutions that matter in order to sway people to say, okay, well, you know what, instead of being just so confused, let's just look at every town or Giffords and they'll be the ones that will give us the answers. That's how they're swaying folks is they are confusing the masses by using institutions and... In professions like your, you know, like y'all's, and to to pass along certain certain narratives that people start to question, but they're also trying to eradicate folks like you know 2A activists and Second Amendment rights groups. They're trying to eradicate that in order to get the actual <laughs> the truth versus what they have. To pass along is their their statistics in order to push a certain narrative, right? I don't know about articulating well. So. Yeah,
0: I mean, we're at
1: that. In my head, it's like it's up there. It makes yeah, sense. I mean, we're
0: at that point where um, I know you don't want to get into COVID, but you could you could say COVID and two way is almost the same thing because again, they only want a certain narrative out there. I've been in I, I've been a paramedic for over 21 years, so I, I understand medicine and science. And the science doesn't support what we've been doing for the last year at all. And a lot of the videos that I've seen on YouTube disappear. I've seen a few of them and then I go back to my history and they're completely gone. Like there was never any trace of them. So they are definitely, whether it's a second amendment or the old pandemic thing, whatever, it's the media is putting out whatever narrative they want. And unfortunately, that narrative is covering a large swath of the media so yeah very difficult
1: it really is it's like watching i'm going go ahead oh, it's go ahead, it's like watching ahead, i mean here we went from a year a year and a little over a year and a half or whatever uh, the pandemic the pandemic the pandemic and now it's you know biden takes the stage and I, i'm trying my best not to be overly political or anything like that but because I believe the Second Amendment or the Constitution as a whole is not a political construct. It's to, the sec- The Constitution was to keep politics at bay. And the government has taken it and made it a, com- a complete political construct. And that's why all these groups are fighting now. That's my belief. But Biden took the sta- stage not too long ago and said the, that gun violence, and they've been saying this, but now they have the President of the United States saying it, Gun violence is an epidemic. Well, pandemic, epidemic, whatever. It's pretty much the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. And how? And that's how they're doing it. They're, that's how they're twisting this narrative. They are manipulating vulnerabilities of the people and our our thinking patterns. And that's exactly what what's. It's just. It's, to me. It's just. I, for one, I can't believe that there are people that fall for it. Right. Right. If there
4: weren't stupid people in the world, we wouldn't have a job. <laughs>
1: Amen.
4: <laughs> and, and you and you know I, this is kind of my theory, but I feel as if the media knows that if they play to the people, and I call yeah. it the people in the city, they know that the population yes. is dense, and they know that oh my gosh, if I can capture them. The people in the outlying areas that live out in the country like myself and you that live out in the country they know that okay we can't that they're not a large population you know we they're not going to they they realize that we're the ones that are out there getting dirty the ones that are farming the ones that are doing the things and everything of that nature they but they know that we're the ones that go hunting and everything they know that they can play to the denser people in the cities that have, they'll be like, oh my gosh, what in the world? <gasps> oh, yes. no. And they're going to agree with the media, not realizing like, hey, come on yeah. out to the country and let me show you yeah. how life really is. Let me show you how we survive and let me show you how we exactly really work. Cool. You know, I've always said, I've always said that from here on in the the president, that type of president, and I'm sorry, I'm getting into the political aspect of it, but the type of president that I think we should need, or this nation needs, is a farmer. Period. Hands yes. down. Yes, yes. Okay? You know, because that's what built this nation. If you looked at who the first yeah. president he was, he was a farmer. Okay? And that's how he started out, and that's why he that's was a exactly good right. president. Okay, what? but you know that's well that's you're exactly agent. right I jimmy
2: carter was a peanut farmer
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. good point <laughs>
1: that's right that's right you put that mean, out there that i mean
0: not necessarily a great president
1: <laughs> Sorry, but I did yeah, you know, I mean, right he kept it real <laughs> and not a
0: sponsor either
2: <laughs> not a sponsor but, mm, i don't think he liked it very no.
3: very
1: well. <clears throat> Well,
2: I think that this is, it speaks to why language is important and you know, the whole never let a good tragedy go to waste.
1: That's exactly right. Like that is a,
2: it's a strong mentality of you call it what you will, mainstream media, the left, whatever the, what gets pushed anytime that there is a significant tragedy and they are, it is what it is. Like no one wants the loss of life. No. Particularly when you're looking at three people that we deal, that's what we deal with regularly. Like, I don't like seeing dead people. I don't want to see anyone have their life taken from them unnecessarily.
3: Amen.
2: But when you are using that and you're, I think one of the issues that the Second Amendment, pro-Second Amendment movement has is that we don't take advantage of language the way that uh, the people that yes. we what we are fighting against do. Um, so, when you're, you know, we say government overreach, they say common sense gun reform. Yes. Well, why can't we say common sense, leave it alone? It's already yeah. <laughs> common sense. I I'm am I'm a grown up, I have individual autonomy, I can make decisions on my own, and I have a right that is inherent to me. And that is protected by the Constitution, not guaranteed me by the Constitution. The Constitution just says, "Leave this right alone." Exactly. My First Amendment right, my Second Amendment right, my right to not be illegally searched, my right to not have to quarter uh, soldiers, my right to not imp- impugn myself in court—like all those enumerated rights aren't guaranteed me by the Constitution. They're protected by the Constitution, and my representative, like my mm-hmm. representatives, are supposed to protect that. Yeah. So why, why aren't we as second amendment advocates? And I say, we like globally, like the Pope says, we, exactly. why aren't we better at using language in our favor? Like, why don't That's we exactly right. do better?
1: I have been, I have, I have really, 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 really tried to, and I see people coming around. Like I I, I speak with some uh, big names in the two A community that are trying their best to kind of, to deliver that uh, that that thinking style to others, there are very some staunch people in this activism that are like, "I'm going to do it my way. Leave me alone. doing it my way. It seems to be working for me." So you know, we leave them alone. That's why we're we're very anti two way drama. Um, but we also saw within the last few years, especially over the course of the last two years. We've seen a huge influx of people who the government and the media never portrayed as gun owners. And we're seeing the language really turn. We're seeing the narrative turn. Because women have stepped up, minorities have stepped up. <clears throat> There's a big influx and they're, they're keeping, you know, they're, those are the, the demographics that are keeping the 2A alive right now. But they're not getting the coverage and they're keeping it to a point in the media, especially like if you are one of these demographics or one of these um, categories of people, you're not, I'm not, I mean like as a female gun owner, I'm not going to get the coverage as some guy in his complete tack gear, white dude, you know, is going to get in his complete tack gear that in the media, the media will spin him to be an enemy, but me, if I showed up in the exact same outfit, (laughs) maybe different shoes, but in holding the same rifle, you know, and all this other stuff, they're, they're going to completely eliminate me from the, from the, from the conversation. They don't want to because it's, it's me that's going to carry that narrative. Mm -hmm. Into a different, it will carry the conversation into a different. You're going to
0: eat into their propaganda.
1: Exactly. Yeah, no one
2: wants to hear that moms are for firearms.
1: That's exactly right. So, and that's where uh, Mom at Arms actually turned was to counter that propaganda, and we do a lot of. uh, You know, I'm a a firearms. pretty, I'm a baby firearms instructor. Um, uh, I don't train babies. I'm just new to the firearms instructor. Uh, let me fix that language. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, smart. That would have been, been a I, I, I can see me now. And like, a, what yeah. is this? Sasha Barton who did that to some pro gun people who tried to scam us. But anyway, mm. um, yeah, but uh, I, it was like I was telling a friend today, uh, this morning, um, he's a uh, he's out in Nevada. I told him, I was like, you know, I was like, the war right now, we're winning. As far as gun ownership, we're winning. We are winning. They can't touch us right now. I mean, the, the statistics, the, the numbers have shown that gun owners are stepping up. What we are fighting right now is a propaganda war. And like you were saying, we need to take that language, we need to take that narrative back. We need to completely eradicate the indoctrination as to how these media groups and these anti-gunners are swaying these new minds into believing their BS. And that is what we need as a two-way community need to get ahead of. And it, it's hard. It is hard work. I mean, it's been hard for us. I mean, we, when we see something, uh, you know, mom-at-arms, especially if we see something that we want to get ahead of, especially when it comes down to other civil rights movements that are happening right now, but someone steps up and sit within those opposing civil rights or whatever, um, politi- on political lines, but they say they're pro-gun. We're like, okay, hold on. This is our doorway. This is this is where we can communicate. This is where we can we can do something as long as you know we can work together as long as we keep it uh, you know two way bound as much as possible and work off of each other's strengths in that in the two way area. And we've been pretty successful with it. I mean, we've had some people. You know, granted, I'm an independent. I really don't really. I mean, I, I, I exercise my right to vote, and I'm. I did not vote for Biden. I, I identify as a
0: constitutionalist.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm going to identify, exactly, I'm going to vote based on the Constitution. Yep. And who's going to who's going to be the strongest one for it, uh, to uphold it, and back their oath. But I, I know some folks who did vote for Biden who are coming across the board saying, hey, you know, we saw that you're doing this work with, you know, this group and this group um, and we kind of align with them, can we, can we talk some more? Let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how we can clear up some confusion on some things. And that's where, and I'm and, and it, it's not giving up my convictions by any means as far as how I politically align, it's more so as building a trust within the moral aspect of what the two-way means to us. And how we're going to preserve it and it, it's it's very hard to do that I mean, I'm mean, i finding that a lot of people do not like that <laughs> but it's kind of like because we have so overly politicized the Second Amendment it's you know we're telling people oh we're you can't carry if, this is pretty much how. We're, if you're not if you're not a conservative that means you're not pro 2a okay that's that's incorrect because I mean there are some people in the on the left that do not even have. And I call a lot of people on the left newer voters because they don't have the entire history. I mean they're they're of, of more of an indoctrinated age. I guess because, I mean, am I making sense yeah. there? I, I I don't know how to. It's. <laughs> I see that a lot of the people on the left that are voting these days are a lot younger than I am. And I'm not even 40 yet, you know. So, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if I can get these folks to come across and say, hey, you know, Jill, let's talk. You know, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, shall not be infringed, you know, or the Second Amendment was a full clause of, direct statements, you know, a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that how, how the constitution was built, but yet they're still voting for anti-gun representatives. So how,
0: and and that to me is confusing. How can they consider themselves 2A, proponents for 2A, but yet they vote for someone who is anti-2A? They're
1: not getting the, they're not getting the entire story. They're not, they're not getting the full concept of what
0: it... Well, like with Biden, exactly I mean, it was pretty like, obvious. They, but Biden was right.
1: obvious, yeah. I think that it was more so along the lines of the, the more local... Um, you know, like when when somebody comes up to me... It, you know, if, if I had one girl who told me, she was like, when someone came up to me and says gun control, I can actually say I'm not for gun control. But when they say common sense gun safety measures that Moms Demand Action is pushing or something like that through their little programs like Be Smart and you know, and stuff like that, which are pretty much NRA and NSSF, you know, the National Shooting Sports Fund. It's these already established gun safety by Pro 2A groups. You know, Moms Demand Action are using these concepts and they're reforming, formulating it in order to manipulate some of these newer voters into thinking oh well you know yeah I'm not for gun control but I'm for common sense guns you know gun sense I'm for gun sense you know and this is how I'm gonna vote and that's why they have their uh, what is it their gun sense candidates that they do Um, if you look through like Moms Demand Action they have a gun sense candidate uh, forum or something like that on their website and if you go through some of their uh, gun sense candidates, they'll, the candidates in these states will, you know, representatives or delegates or whatever, and they'll say, "Well, I'm a firearm owner. You know, I own firearms. I'm very much pro Second Amendment. But I think, you know, it's like, but I think that you know we need to do this, this, and this." And that's what these Biden voters or left wingers or whatever you want to call them, that's where they got manipulated. That's where they got they got they got swayed off course from the get-go. They had all these local elections that they got involved in for Gun Sense that turned out to really really manipulate the, the overall picture um, as far as the presidency. And it, it, it really is like, I, that's why I tell people all the time to get get active on community levels. You know, get active in state, you know, your local elections and your state elections because this is where it's really, really Creating the confusion. Um, that, that, that's the best way. I, I hope that came out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I said, it, it, in my head, it's ten times more organized. And, and Northam
0: <laughs> and Biden are twins.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, look at Northam is a very good example. Northam actually used to run on Republican principles. Um, I think that he was actually a registered Republican at one point, point. and then he. He, he jumped, he you know, he jumped out. And now look at him. I mean, he's in...
0: He's moved uh, way up. left.
1: Yes. Yes. And I believe that... I might sound a little conspiracy, conspiracy theorist or whatever, but I believe that they have some club. <laughs> that they all, like... Form, form with one another. And I believe that because that's what Shannon Watts does now is she helps the Shannon Watts, Moms Samantha Action's founder. She runs an activism to build and encourage left-leaning anti-gun women to run for office. And I think that that is like there's like a community of them or something like that underground or whatever. But that's my own thought. But. Go ahead,
3: Chris. <laughs> I, I'm, going,
4: I'm, going, I'm going to say this. Um, I agree with you um, that he was Republican. He switched. And I know why my theory is that he switched because he knew he couldn't win unless he had a certain, and I'm going to use the yes. word demographic,
3: that's exactly
4: right. on his side. And if he had that demographic on his side, he knew that that's what's going to put him in the office. That was the only thing. Because if he had a stayed Republican, he knew that he didn't have a chance to be in that office. And I I, think that he knew that he
1: couldn't financially, he wouldn't have any financial, you know. Yes,
4: Yes, and then you're right. He wouldn't be financial off, well off, to run in that um, in that race. Yeah. He'd have lost. So what he did was like, oh, you mean you guys exactly. gonna give me money? Oh well, by by, sure, I am on your side, and That's I am right. your man, and I'm gonna be and your, I'll do your bidding, your person. You know yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So. Well. Um,
1: no, no, I mean, I'm, I, I'm no. with you. I'm with right. you.
0: <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't bode well for free future Republicans in the Commonwealth then.
1: No. Uh, it's it's going to yeah. be hard. I, and I, I think that this is a – like what we were talking about earlier is um, from what Leo was saying that this, this is not necessarily the Civil War, but this could be what's leading up to it, you know, that warning. This, I believe – wholeheartedly that this is the age of proactivism, where you need we need to be preparing for an outcome or either trying to Completely change the direction as to you know to avoid What Leo's family you know went through what Gabby Franco's family went through? Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a psychic by any means, but when it comes down when I look at propaganda uh, and to counter it I think that in these stories, like Leo's family, I believe that those are the most, most mind-changing stories ever to be heard. More of those stories need to be heard, and and why you know standing up for our second amendment, I our constitution overall, or whatever, is so important to these families. These you know these families that have immigrated here, and why they are so. Uh, pro-gun or pro-constitution or why they do not vote a certain way i believe that those stories need more spotlight than than ever before right you know, now they need it now so
2: well and and i think shifting the 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 point of view to saying that as, as you've been saying that that the, the it's it's a civil right and and putting it in that context of being able to defend yourself as, as a person, whatever or whomever you may be, whatever you identify as, I, I don't care, but yeah, it is definitely. it is a civil right. But in particular for disenfranchised communities like females, it's one of the gro- the fastest growing communities that's, that's starting to carry, purchase and compete, use firearms. Uh, black and, uh, and c- communities of people of color. So blacks and Hispanics, Asians. Like, why would you want to limit the ability of people that that you as a as a party, whatever you may be, again, the left, Democrats, whatever you want to call them, the people that are pushing this, why would you want to push it something that is going to limit the ability of the people that you say that you want to protect to defend and protect themselves? Because Um, it's not the police, in fact, do not have a have a duty to respond and protect you. At all. No. They, could, they could sit in the in the in the police station all day long and not respond to a no, but one. it you have a responsibility to defend yourself though.
0: To get political real quick. I think it's bigger than that. I think in this in, in today's day and age, I think the concept is socialism and Big government will take care of you. We'll protect you. You Absolutely. just listen to us. 100%. Get rid of your guns. Get rid of everything. You know, we'll give you stimulus packages when there's a disease that we make up, and I mean, um, you know, that happens. And uh, you know, we'll do all these things. We'll take care of you. You don't have to do anything anymore. And that's what they, the new voters that Jill's talking about, they're the ones that are going for that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the course what i want to say within the last maybe
0: eight years because it's no 12 eight, years i'm sorry 12 years. years yeah it well, started with I free to, cell phones
1: yes yes thank you I, I mean looking at that it's hip is that is that still a word it's hip. sure um it is know, today it's tubular <laughs> it, it rocks yeah um, but that's that's what I'm seeing in it because I, I'll be honest, if I was still you know living off my parents and you know and doing whatever I wanted to do, I would probably thought a, you know a, a free cell phone would have been righteous, you know. But I was already making money, I was already working, and you know? I was like, I don't have time to show up in a line for that, you know. <laughs> just gonna let my bill lapse like I usually do. But I mean that I mean just just thinking about it that way and and now thinking about it has how kids do. I mean like you have all these social media forums now that are very targeted to kids. I mean going back to the COVID thing and I try my best to tell look at Snapchat. Right before Snapchat, like right before COVID, Snapchat had this filter that people could put on that put little tiger ears on and you had a mask that would come up, you know, in the filter if you opened your mouth a certain way or something like that. For a year, almost a year and a half before COVID even became a thing, and then all of a sudden we had to wear masks, and masks were cute, you know? Now you have these, like, little dangly things that you can get and you can put on your mask, and, and I'm like, now all masks are a fashion statement. You can get them bedazzled, you can get the, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's whatever they can use to play into and I'm not saying you know, like if you wear a mask, you wear a mask, whatever. Um, but it's like they're using certain language and certain uh, certain narratives to promote it even more. And I mean, now you have groups of children, literally children, talking about gun rights. They're talking, you know, they're not even old enough to have a gun, but they're going to tell you how, you know, like. Well, that because
2: they can. catch you in the field right. that's <laughs> yeah, the whole point Is that they, they find yeah. a way to by using rhetoric and by using that optic to make you feel like a bad person for, for exercising a right an inalienable right you are born and inalienably you have a right but if a kid tells you not to carry a gun you feel like a dirt bag
1: it's yeah. prohibition all over again. I mean, you think about uh, all the advertisements and the propaganda back during the prohibition age when you know they were going after liquor and um,
2: don't don't make that suggestion. Don't do go after my liquor.
1: Else.
2: I don't know if you can tell, but,
1: yeah, but firefighters drink awesome.
2: a lot, <laughs> <laughs> responsibly, obviously, not when we're carrying. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: responsibly. Exactly. Exactly. Y'all stay home. But look at it that way. I mean, I I was doing some. They have, um, when you look at all that propaganda from back in the day that uh, for Prohibition, there is actually posters where they have drawn out, I mean, they're old, they're vintage. They have drawn out, um, like, the women, and they're holding the children back, like, daddy stop drinking or we're gonna have to leave you you know and they have these i mean yeah um then you come back up into the jfk era they're actually i don't know if i mean you guys i don't know if y'all know what these are these are patterns these are sewing patterns through Mm -hmm. through groups uh through companies called mccalls um and there's another one i can't Mm -hmm. remember but um Sewing patterns for women that are targeted for women, you know, like you guys kind of just like, like, what is that? But a sewing pattern, yeah. (laughs) But,
4: yeah. Well, my, see, my mom. Mine too. That's how I knew. And she used to sew my clothes. So I remember going to, like, places like uh, Minnesota Fabrics, Joanne Fabrics, and uh, getting patterns and. Uh, I remember her laying them out on the table, cutting them out, and talking and everything like that. So, I
1: well, exactly. I all. So
4: Penning, yeah,
3: getting get stuff. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and they would in gun control groups during the JFK era, as well as through Bill Clinton, his little time crime spree, whatever you want to call it. But during his time, he um, they actually used companies like this to and these patterns to propagate. More gun control and you have to look it up. You know, uh, I think we have it on the mom-and-arms site somewhere, but the JK, JFK era gun control but um, we uh, But looking in Dell that that's what they're doing is they're targeting and manipulating the vulnerabilities of certain different demographics of people to To sway them and to you know to kind of they try to make what they're ta- their talking points sound hip and they give away free phones. So, I mean, that's, that's what it, that's what happens. And unfortunately we don't have Bloomberg's money. (laughs) You know, I mean, we would, I would happily give away free magazines, you know, actual magazines. Well,
2: I do think you have somebody that's going to join your sewing (laughs) circle though. Huggy looks pretty interested. <laughs> yeah, really jazzed when you showed that. He's like, "All
1: right, yeah, we're gonna." I mean, like, I've always, I'm, I was telling a friend the other day that I wanted to come up with a, um, a, a design for a woman-specific uh, body plate <laughs> for a plate. <laughs> and I was like, those things hurt," <laughs> so I might need to get on a design, see if my calls will back me up
4: well I tell you uh, that when he says Luo said that it's funny made me laugh because at one point in time I'm a big man so to find clothes that I want to to fit me is hard at times. Um, but like, you know, I seen like this nice conceal carry pants that you can,
0: he likes leggings. Don't let him fool you.
4: And I'm like, Oh, those are really nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, those are really nice. I want to get a pair, but I go like, Oh, let me see what size they go to. Oh, uh, extra large. Well, guess what? It ain't going to fit. So. The next best thing to do is, guess what? Find the pattern mm-hmm. and make your wow. own. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. But again that, again, that comes down to survivability. <laughs> I will be able to survive. Chris okay? is going to yep. have
1: pants when yep. stuff hits the fan.
2: <laughs> Forever in the day, he's going to have pants. That's right.
1: He's going to have pants. <laughs> 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 so
0: so what how can we um, uh, just the regular individual Joe or Jane Jane or Joe what should we be doing
1: I am going a lot of people hate this they hate when they, they hear, um, hear anyone say it but I hope that people take it into um, especially these days they start looking at it more more seriously but you you need to call your representatives you need to get on the phone you need to make a paper trail of your own personal activism Um, the DC project the ladies of the DC project sent a small group uh, with our founder and most of our board members uh, to DC recently and they sat down with the 2A caucus and they also spoke with other representatives um, in, in Washington DC and to promote the D.C. project as well as to have that open discussion about gun rights and especially gun rights for women. And unbelievably, they came back um, with information where they had asked certain, certain representatives on both sides of the aisle that actually said that every, pe- every email every call, every text message, every letter that anyone sends in to their offices, all of their offices, it's documented and it's logged. So, when we as a people, I know that we can't necessarily just, you know, snap our fingers and say, "Okay, you know, <laughs> we're we're going to we're going to save our gun rights just by posting a cute pic on on Instagram or on you know whatever social media of us holding a rifle or whatnot, we're standing for our gun rights. If we're going to do that, we need to back it up by saying, "I contacted my legislator again this week, <laughs> and I told them no more gun control, or I told them why this certain law or this bill is bad, and why that they and that they should vote no against it." Um, I can't say that it's going to be. The overall answer, but you know that that's going to win win it. But the overall answer, we I think we all know what that is. If they keep overstepping their their spots um, in in as leaders of this country, um, but to keep it to a civil aspect of things, we we the people need to be contacting our legislators as much as possible and telling them no more gun control, no more. Um, go email, text, call, send a letter, go visit them. They, uh, these D.C. representatives also said that they they like the Zoom meetings. They like to have um, one-on-one, con- you know, visits from their constituents just to make you know to hear their to hear their issues and, see, and to see if they they can bring solutions to the table. And a bipartisan or a nonpartisan, however they want to put it away. So that's my suggestion is to keep a, uh, keep a log and a paper trail of your activism. And, and that usually means contacting your representatives.
0: Okay. <laughs> and I'm looking, I mean, I, I, and I have been negligent in that, I guess my, I, I have succumbed to the philosophy that they're not gonna listen. Like Kane and Warner. Yeah. So Yeah. But uh, I definitely need to I need to step up.
1: Uh, I think that you know and I even myself I do like I catch myself like in the <laughs> in the beginning I, I know poor Northrom probably has me on a list somewhere. Either he's got like my like a Polaroid or something like that up at the front door. Don't like don't let her in. Because before, during this whole pandemic, you know, when everything shut down, I was every, almost every day I was on his website. I will not comply. I will not comply. I will not comply. You know, and like even on social media forums, you know, I have him tagged in something like Governor Northam. I will not comply. You know I mean? So he knows who I am. <laughs> At least he's got my handles. But, um, but when it comes down to like really... Really getting in there and and speaking because I know that they don't want to speak to me. I know that a gun control, you know, a, a representative, somebody that's for gun control, does not want to speak to me. I know that because I would completely obliterate their entire platform on it. Just one, just one of me, you know. Um, and That's what the DC project yep. went to DC and did. And regardless of. Whether these anti-politician, anti-gun politicians agreed with them or even paid any attention to them, uh, the DC Project put women and minorities and f- gun ownership in front of these legislators to the point where it, whether they were acknowledged or not, they can't deny it. They can't deny that they weren't there. So We now have a voice in this system because of, of what's happening in within, especially with the, the goal that the DC project wants to reach, um, and I think, and it's going to be a positive for the gun gun rights community, and our big thing is to contact your legislators, even if you hate them, <laughs> you just, just can't live with them, you, you can't wait to the next election, contact them anyway you I mean, just tell them say no you can't
2: do it well i mean no, i, I no think it's even okay. more important to contact them if you if you hate them because they're that the person that's that 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 you're fighting right now That's so, the pr-
1: yeah
2: like what yeah. does it serve you to, I mean, to contact the guy I that's really on your side he's already on your guy. side
1: yeah he's exactly and that's really and it's and that's something too like based off of where i am in virginia my representatives are are all pro-gun you know one of my representatives sits on the crime commission (laughs) you know with uh laurie haas and you know all these anti-gun people these bloomberg chills but um the uh so it's kind of like okay what 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 do i do so i need to put my pro-gun narrative my what i know my experiences to places like where y'all are at in more northern parts of Virginia. So I need to be called, I need to be calling those legislators too. And that's what activists do. If you're a pro activist and pro activist, if you are someone that's in that, you would know to do that. To go ahead and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not from your area, but I might travel through there one day. I'm not going to stand with any gun control laws that you have in there. You know, that will put me and my family in in harm's way. Because criminals don't pay attention to your laws. <laughs> you
0: know? I mean, murder is illegal. How much? How, how many more laws do we need? <laughs> Wait,
2: what? Murder is illegal? Exactly. exactly. Got to change my yeah. weekend plans.
0: Breaking, breaking news.
2: Huggy, <laughs> don't bring the shovel over. Disregard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know.
0: Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Learning Learn. has occurred. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it looks like i'll be getting on the uh on the old internet with old abigail spanberger uh, well yeah
1: like okay so this is a funny story i don't mean i want funny as an ironic it, <laughs> as in it's
0: um as in atlantis what's yeah
1: so Shannon Watts, who is the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, all right, about, I want to say this, end of 2017, 2018, Mom at Arms, my team and I, we were up one night and we were laughing and giggling and um, talk about who we trolled on you know Twitter that day. We were like, let's come up with a t-shirt. So we came up with a t-shirt, it was a Moms Demand Action t-shirt. But and my team was pretty, at the in the beginning it was pretty much like this. It was me and a bunch of dudes. Okay, so <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, I had, Pearl was with me. She was pretty much giggling on the other end. She really didn't. Um, she just heard the ideas and laughed. But um, we took a, took a mom's demand action T-shirt and we rebuilt the logo. And then I gave it because I have a little background in uh, advertising. But uh, we gave it, I gave the idea to my research partner, and he and his buddies took stick figures and lewd sexual acts <laughs> and put it all over the shirt. Well, we decided that we were going to just troll people with the shirt, and we had it privately made. And then we acted like we built this huge shop on Mom-at-Arms for this shirt specifically. No one else could buy it. We never made it really public to anybody, other than within ourselves or within our own setting. Well, Virginia, a Virginia Moms Demand Action member caught wind of this shirt after she berated me for releasing some of her info through a um, through some FOIA documents that we got. If anybody knows anything about FOIA, that's the government giving us documents that is public. Yeah, we can't. Sorry. And we even, sometimes in our FOIAs, we at Mom at Arms even redact a lot of stuff. We block out a lot of stuff that the government doesn't do. But You're
0: um, not required to redact it if the government doesn't.
1: Yeah, we, but with, like if someone, it's like a, a personal address to, a, you know, and it's somebody that we think is a mom with kids or something like that. We no, I
0: understand. Ask, you know, I get it. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So we end up. This this to man action lady told on us about this shirt she saw on our website, and like I said, nobody else could buy it. Even if you clicked on the shop that we had set up, you it, it led to nowhere. You know, it was just a, it was a way to troll Moms man action. Well, we ended up getting well, I ended up getting sir. My third party t shirt vendor sent me an email saying that. I was about to, if I did not pull or give, you know, that they were just letting me know that they were going to go ahead and pull this design because, um, even though it was a private, I had set it up privately, they were going to pull it because they got a cease and desist order (laughs) for mom's demand action saying that we couldn't, we couldn't use their logo. Well, two years later, when Nick Friedus was running, Mm -hmm. uh, Shannon Watts, this is two years later, after the, uh, after the cease and desist I got from Moms Demand Action. Um, two years later, Shannon Watts <laughs> used the image of that shirt in a fake tweet to raise money for Abigail Spanberger. So, which is like completely, I mean, it was a lie. And she went up against Nick Frieda, saying that Nick Frieda was pro- promoting this shirt to demean Moms Demand Action. And Nick Friedas was like, I don't even know where that shirt came from. And there's a, uh, there's actually an article that they, that where they interviewed me, and I was like, I was the one that created that shirt. I still have to cease and desist, you know? <laughs> like, it never happened. Nick, Nick Fritas could never buy this shirt. So what was happening was Shannon Watts actually used and lied to gain fundraising profits for Abigail Spanberger. Uh, by pretty much defaming and libeling a, another political candidate, the opposition. and it, it was just the, it was it was the funniest thing. It was just, that's just proof right there that they are willing to lie and cheat yep. to, to get into their, their position of power. And Abigail Spanberger never denounced it, which was really sad, just sad to say. So that, that's just proof. but that
0: not she's, surprising either.. So.
1: Yeah, it's just twisted. So, okay. That's always a fun, fun story to tell. <laughs> it was a really, it was a really bad shirt. I, I never got it. <laughs> but my my guys, my mom at arms, my my dad's at arms behind the scenes. They 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 is only three in existence. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> but we do have one. It's called Kami Mommy's Demand Action. But that's it. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I saw that. You got the hammer and sickle replacing the M. Yeah. I like that.
1: So we have fun. Yeah. We're snobs. But that's that's pretty much how Abigail Spamberger has. She knows my name at least. <laughs> that's good because I'm in VA with her, but she she doesn't answer my calls either.
0: She's gonna know mine soon. Good. <clears throat> you guys have anything
2: else uh, uh, yeah actually i do that's why i wrote stuff down. okay so. <laughs> okay um so i know that you guys go and with with between mom at arms and uh the million moms and and all the groups that you guys have dc project all that stuff you guys go and you're you're trying to get legislation either passed or not passed depending on kind of where it falls um what are some of Uh your biggest victories and what are some of your biggest defeats and what are some of the battles that you have coming up that you're like this is what we're for or against
1: To be honest there, especially in Virginia, I can say that um, the pandemic and the lockdowns have really, really um, created issues as far as putting us in front of legislators. Um, We're now just starting to kind of get caught back up. But if you look into um, a lot of the where other states are pushing the uh, putting gun safety education back into schools. A lot of the DC Project uh, chapters within those states are promoting that and helping, helping gain traction for those things. I'm hoping that Virginia, with some of the new, um, the new delegates that are coming up, the candidates for delegates uh, that are coming up, I'm really trying my best to work with some of them into doing the same so we can bring back, because that's where I learned about a lot of gun safety. I mean, even though my dad, you know, he taught me gun safety. I I was required to take it in 7th and 11th grade. So, that's there. I'm hoping, let's see, what's another one? There's a, um, in Virginia, they blocked, it's really sad. I have so many, like, so many states on my brain right now. Um, I think we helped block a couple of them, because we were on the phones, like, every day in Virginia. Want, I can't remember the bill. I have it on my Instagram feed, but um, we helped block a couple. We've also put uh, survivor stories uh, in front of lots of BOS and city councils. Um, uh, We've put gun rights activists, uh, some of our pro-shooters that are in Virginia, like Christina Baker, Gabby Franco, um, some of our instructors, we put them in front of city councils. it's really hard in Northern Virginia to get uh, get get somebody in that that community to actually be in in the anti-gun community to be willing to actually hear some sort of not necessarily a partisan conversation, but a bipartisan conversation. Even if we brought up just like gun gun safety education, it's really hard for because of How much Moms Demand Action has like a huge placement in Northern Virginia or you know, gun control in general? So, but we're trying, so we um, but we have helped in like doing phone campaigns. You know, we like I said, we don't have Bloomberg's money, so we're having to do a lot of it independently, so you're not getting like a big media reaction from us, but. We're um, constantly staying in contact with the GOA in Virginia, the NRA, uh, the VCDL, definitely. Uh, we're. I, I try to keep it grassroots as much as possible, and the VCDL does like an amazing job at really, really getting that information out to people. So we try our best to help partner and team up with other already established gun rights groups in order to give a bigger voice, if that makes sense. So we're not looking for fame and fortune. We just want to help promote our place in this in this industry. So we're not looking for like you know some kind of spotlight, you know, like a, a big rally where I'm going to be speaking or anything like that as far as gun rights and combating what Shannon Watts and Moms Demand Action every town does. We're more so like, hey, look, let's just let's just better our communities. Let's do it this way. Let's be voices and liaisons within to gun rights within our Do you
0: guys work with VCDL much, Virginia Citizens Defense League? Yes, okay. I love. Virginia I was going to say you Citizens. guys sound very similar, but you're the women's version of that.
1: Yes. Now, if you, um, a lot of the legislative, like a girl in a gun, the well armed woman, a girl in a gun, um, those are two of the main groups that have really helped out in previous years um that have gotten a lot of recognition as they should because they have been the countering voice to uh gun control for you know they've been our gun rights girls um in the in the in the the media prior um you'll see either a purple shirt or like a a, a light blue and white shirt depending on what they're but those women have now come in and we've all kind of like combined our efforts within the dc project for virginia and now you'll see those representatives in the teal shirts you know to uh combat the red shirts of moms Demand action so yeah but for vcdl they call on us uh, a lot we were um we actually if the speaker list for uh um this year's Lobby Day, where they did the virtual yeah. rally. You'll see me on there. <laughs> in my very uh, homemade, uh, poorly edited video that we did, but I was with a girl in a gun and the well-armed woman where we were representing the DC Project and Women for Gun Rights for the VCDL. So it was, it was, it was fun, that was cute.
2: Okay. I got another one. Okay. <clears throat> Because we've covered pretty much all the questions that I had that I had written down, anyways. So like we, but one of the ones that I like personally. So, as a lifelong Virginian as well, um, I love this state. It's a great state for me. Number one state in the union. Texas, very close second. Everywhere else, whatever. Meh. Um. Yeah. Top two. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying. You can tell we're Virginians, So, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, how important to you personally and as an organization is the motto on the state flag? Um, and can you kind of just give us your thoughts on what that means when it comes to I'm, Second Amendment? I will, I will, so for the Second Amendment, I
1: like, just in six Emperor Tyrannus, I mean, you're not, you know, get your... No, I mean like I can go on. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG-13, but I uh, kiss my grits. There you go. I mean like write uh, <laughs> that one down. I'm kiss. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, kiss my grits. I forget what it is. Like from Howdy Doody. No. Yeah. 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 Mel's diner.
4: No, from Mel's diner. Mel's diner. Mel's diner.
1: But yeah, so like, and that's what, and I don't. People ask me all the time. You're like, well. Governor Northrum, or something like that. And because I view him personally, because I view him as a tyrant, I do not call him governor. I do. I'll call him Mr. Northrum, or I will call him Tyrant Northrum, or whatever. I do not give him the respect, and that's how I am personally. Because I was, he knows better. You know, I mean, like, homie knows better. I mean, he's doing this for, for, for giggles. I mean, in, in profit. That's all he wants. He knows better. And because I am a lifelong Virginian and I was raised by lifelong Virginians that worked just as hard in these, in the areas that he, of his background and whatever's and stuff like that. But I mean, no, I mean, he knows better and that's how I, and as far as. My girls in Virginia, I can't, you know, I'm not going to speak for the D.C. Project as an organization there, um, but as far as the D.C. Project Virginians, the girl, our chapter in Virginia, all these girls are the same way. They are like, what the F, you know? No, you know, like it says death to tyrants, you know, you, you're not. Sorry, this is where we're, we're standing firm on our beliefs. This is our foundation. This is what... You know, you come up you step over that line, it's done. And guess my grits. I mean <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's the best way I can put it. I mean I grew up in a law enforcement home. I know I know right from wrong. And that's and I'm not going to to actively promote any type of violent situation or or any type of civil war or whatever, you know, I'm not going to promote that by any means. But if it came down to it, and it came down to defending my own and my family, which my husband is a U.S. Air Force veteran who, you know, fought after 9-11 himself, I mean, just, uh uh-uh, nope. We're done, you know. Like, (laughs) you know, I will invite you into my home for a civil gathering, but you cross that line, you won't be going home. You won't be going home. I mean, like, sorry. I mean, that's just, that's not a threat to anyone. That's a warning in itself.
2: Yeah, we don't fire warning shots in our house.
4: So I I get it. Ammo's expensive. Yeah. 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 Well, I I tell you, I, I am a Virginian also. I'm born
3: in. Where'd you go to college, Huggy? Grew
4: up in Virginia. Um, I am the farthest west.
3: Yeah.
4: Where'd I go to college? I started out at Farham College Fairham. in Fairham, Virginia. I know too. That's See, She knows. bull riding country. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> moonshine capital of the yeah. world. <laughs> like, that's right. Drink, cool. drink a jar that's and ride right. a bull. <laughs> well, yeah. That's right. That's right. And there I learned you know. how to ride a bull. <laughs> so, but, but just like you, I'm the same way. You know, I'll protect my family, you know, my loved ones. But you know what? There's, go, line. there's a line. You cross that line and it's done. And I, I like you, my father was a D.C. policeman wow. for 25 years. So I grew up with the law enforcement. And then after that, he worked for, um, um, oh, Jimmy Crickets. Um, he was wow. a u.s marshal for another fifth so I lived the you know the life of an, yeah. of a police officer or you know so i I was taught you know knowing right from wrong knowing how to say you know you don't do this you don't do that so but <coughs> there is a line That's exactly right. that I' was saying that you know my dad always taught me he goes you don't cross that line. That's let exactly them right. cross the line. If they cross the <laughs> line into you, that's then exactly you defend right. yourself. You don't take it that's exactly to them. right.
1: Pick your battles. So. Stand stand firm in your convictions. And I mean, that's my dad. I mean, he, it's so funny because I think about that and my dad. How how much of an influence he was in the law enforcement community here in Southern Virginia. And then I think about how his personal teachings to me were like, I mean, one of of the main reasons he he told me was he taught me in firearms because he didn't want me to have to rely on the police or the cops. I mean, he told me, he was like, when you get older, you know, there are going to be situations where (coughs) you can't live with some sort of uh, fabricated, you know, security blanket thinking that the cops are just going to show up just like that. You know, he's like, you can't rely on the cops. And that's not demeaning police officers. I mean, I thank them so much. But <coughs> he's like, no. He's like, when it comes down to police, you as a woman, especially, he's like, when you get older and you start living out on your own, you're going to have to rely on yourself for your own personal self, you know, personal protection. And you're going to have to know how to fight. You're going to have to do this. So he, he made sure. I mean, he was like, you know, you take martial arts. We're going to train you in firearms. You're going to learn how to use a knife, you know. Taught me how to hunt, you know. He was like, you are got to do these things. Because he knew that right. there was going to come a day like now, you know, where I, granted, <coughs> excuse me, granted, I'm, you know, much much older than I was then. But there, there are now people that are manipulating, you know, social media aspects and uh, and other avenues of just really demeaning women, and you just hear so many stories. Especially when you come into this activism as a woman, and you want to stand up for women's rights to protect themselves, you hear so many stories, especially of domestic abuse and violence. I mean, just just so many stories. And I can only imagine, like, I put myself in their shoes, and I think back to myself, I was like, well, this is why my dad did this. This is why my dad trained me this way. This is why he brought me up into believing what I'm believing. So, yeah. You crossed that line.
0: It reminds me me of the stalker who flew from Australia to Virginia and went to that uh, Richmond woman's home Because he was stalking the woman's, I believe it was her daughter, and Mm -hmm. was trying to break into the house. And she had to shoot him to keep him out of the house. So, again, you take those rights away from those individuals, and now how does she protect her family? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this guy literally flew halfway around the world to break into their house in Richmond, Virginia. time travel, Crazy.
2: He went backwards in time to break into somebody's (laughs) house
3: yeah, it's bonkers. yeah.
2: That's right. but that's why i just like as we said earlier that's why i find it so interesting that you are and and, and this is where to me and because we've put posts up on on our instagram account a couple times um with significant events uh, as far as historically because and i i like to do the today in history this happened um so but yeah. the, the thing that I, I, I find most interesting, um, and Dave kind of put a good point on it, is that you, know, you can say that people will take your right away. Really, you have to surrender the right. No one surrender. takes it. You give it up. You have the right. Mm-hmm. But again, for, yeah. for people that say we're here for the disenfranchised, we're here for the minority groups, we're here specifically for these people to say I'm going to take the ability for a law-abiding female who in a fight, because not for nothing, mm-hmm. men and women are not the same, so in a fight, man and a woman, who's going to win when a man is trying to kill you, a female, unless you as a female have the great equalizer, a firearm, and this is your safety? You know? So, and Where you're, you're taking yeah. away the ability of I? law-abiding citizens yeah. in minority communities that are under-policed as a rule. And again, that's not against the police. That's just how it is because there's not enough funding. And now you want to cut funding because apparently the police are evil and they're just, there's an onslaught, which is sarcasm just for those listening. Um, But you're underfunding those communities that need the most service. How are they going to defend their lives, their property if they can't have a firearm?
1: It's,
2: It's just, it's mind boggling.
1: like one of my sayings is you have pecs I have techs so you know I mean like I, I me being a being a down-home you know southern Virginia girl I who was you know had an older brother and older boy cousins and stuff like that you know backwoods that's what I call myself but um you know like I am not you know if it came down to some kind of strategic move I would try my best to one-up you know, the the male counterpart or my male assailant or whatever. But, I mean, that's, but when you think about it on the terms where I know my life is going to be in jeopardy a 100%, there is no way ever that I'm, you know, I won't be able to come home to my husband and my son. you damn right I'm going to be using something that's going to put you or, your, or whoever out. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, done. And I won't... I will not feel shame for that you know and that's another thing that, that these gun gun control groups are, are doing and i think someone dave or leo one of y'all said it earlier where they're shaming us into wanting to protect ourselves you know if i'm a good person and i'm not you, know, you know, i'm living my life just as any anyone else i mean just try my best to thrive and get by daily and I'm—you don't see my face in the in the media, you know, as America's most wanted or whatever, a million times a day. i am i trying my best to be active in communities, and I'm trying my best to help my neighbors and when they need it. And someone comes at me and tries to take my life away, take my life. I mean, and I put them out. I should not be shamed for that. Agreed. I should not be shamed. Agree. Because, and that's where a lot of these groups, these gun control groups, have found, have found headway, is because that's what they're doing. I mean, look at this young lady who was about to stab another girl, the an officer, and he had no choice. Right. I hate that it happened. I hate that it happened. But we, there was a life saved. There was a life saved and granted i don't know what that young lady does for herself or i hope that she leads a very very good life but when it comes down to what was happening in that situation as far as that other young lady grabbing a hold to that knife and thinking that in order to solve a problem she had to go after someone not armed an unarmed person in order to equal you know equal that's 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 convict per- that's criminal yeah, whatever
0: gave her the thought that she could do that.
1: So I wonder, when I see that, especially in a young person, I wonder about her She was life. in
2: foster care because her you foster know? mom was the I one that was on speaking on her behest, I guess. But it's just, uh, I, this is another post that we had put up that for every right that you have, and I think this is where things get lost and people have the ability to make this argument, because for every right that you have, you have an inherent responsibility to use that right in a reasonable fashion so you have the right to say whatever you want because you it's protected by the first it's guaranteed to you and protected by the first amendment but you still can't yell fire in a crowded building because you could incite a panic in the same way you have the right to carry a firearm for your personal protection when someone infringes on the most important right that you have which is the right to be alive When someone infringes on that right, they are not acting responsibly. So you have the right to stop that from happening. And there's just no personal responsibility or accountability anymore. And that makes me very scared for the fact that I, I, I hope as a parent and a relatively new one that I, I instill that responsibility in the mindset of my children, but there's no guarantee that someone else, we'll do that for theirs and my kids have to go out into the world and interact and with people exactly right. that may not care.
1: It's like my mom says to me, I'm, I mean, I'm almost 40 and, you know, we're a little close to it. I me tell too. people I'm 29. That's how old I really am. I am 29, but, um, been here for almost 40 years, but I'm 29. Um, but the, my mom tells me every day, I mean, pretty much anytime you like, even when I'm going to work and, uh, she still has that mother, and I know that I'm going to be the same way with my kid. She tells me all the time, I trust you. I don't trust yeah. them. You know? And that is, when I go to a a range and I shoot, or if I go to, if I, you know, want to teach a class or something like that, it's always, she's always saying, "I you be careful. I trust you. Fair. I do not trust them. And, and, and I mean, like, that's... Uh, it's when we lose, I mean, I can be, I can be welcoming, I could be acknowledging, but I don't have to trust anyone, you know, and that's where a lot of people, I think, get this mentality nowadays, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot more uh, crimes against women, I I think that we're seeing, and like I said, it all goes into age, these ages, I mean, because like when you look at, you know, us sitting right here, we can speak, but kids coming up that were most of these crimes and stuff like that are happening to either the elderly that can't really defend themselves, period, or it's happening to younger people. It's happening to younger people with these mentalities, like, oh, well, you know, I'm just gonna go out and I can trust everybody and be all nice and hip and and liberal and.
0: It's the vulnerable <laughs> <and> just, population.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. Like, I'm. I, yeah, exactly. So it, it's it's really. Well- it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, like you said, even as a new parent, I mean, like my kid, my my son is like the most loving little boy I have ever, you know, like I, sometimes I'm even amazed that I birthed this being, you know, <laughs> because I'm like sarcastic and snarky sometimes. But my kid, I mean, we walk into a store, he's, he's saying hello to people and he's just, hey, he's have a good day. I love, you know, like, yeah, and he's like, so nice and sweet and he'll just high five anyone and i'm sitting there thinking to myself i'm like what the heck did i do <laughs>
2: You're like, don't touch that guy i don't think he's washed no, his hands
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i mean but i think about that and I, just this love i want my kid to actually i want him to love people like that but i want him to also know that there's there's that line and you know and there will be a day and a time where he where he will he will have to say kiss my grits. You know, I mean, God forbid, but we we have to, we have to be
4: practical. And, and I will I will have to agree with you. I have to agree with you because you are raising your child. I feel as properly. A lot of the parents these days, and I will say in the inner city, a lot of times stick their children right in front of the TV. Boom, yeah. there you go. You know and they watch these shows and i will say a lot of these shows influences the kids today and now the people like the bloombergs know that so guess what they're going to make those shows uh dictate to say oh yeah you can do this but this is bad you know not educating them now i will go back in time saying that when i was coming along the you know we had You know the western shows and show they always showed you like you did the things the right way. You know it wasn't always bad, or if there was there was something bad happening, you did the right thing. You had to think about it, and you had to say, okay, what am I going to do? And if I do this, what are the repercussions for doing this? Nowadays, that that thought is gone. You know, it's just reaction, and then it's like, ooh. Uh Oh, you know, it's too late now, you know, didn't process it beforehand or think about it beforehand. So, um, Uh, again, I'm stepping (laughs) off my box. That's all I had as far as
2: questions, because Dave asked all the the tough ones.
0: (laughs) That's all I've got. Huggy, you got everything out?
4: I've got, I've vented, I've got everything out. I feel great. I just wish the uh, the world would just realize that the uh, I'm not to go there. I just wish the world would realize that the two A is there for us, not against us. is a solid panel Well,
0: Jill, if you'd like, you take a moment and uh, plug anything you would like to plug.
1: Join, donate, uh, DC Project, um, Women for Gun Rights. People can go and check out that at www.dcproject.info. There's a lot of good information there. They're always rebuilding um, or revamping the site. Same with uh, One Million Moms Against Gun Control, and that's one mmagcorg and then Mom at Arms is Mom at dot com, um, just whatever you know. Uh, we're all pretty much, pretty much just a bunch of di- a very diverse group of women and individuals uh, uh, as a whole that are fighting for a common goal, and that is to preserve our Second Amendment. And other than that, just. Contact your legislators and tell them no mo gun Say it just
2: like <laughs> that. And if they don't listen, tell no them to kiss control. your grits.
1: Kiss the grits. That's right. Uh, uh, ain't compliant. I should have worn that hat
2: today instead compliant. of this one.
1: Yeah. There you ain't go. Compliant. So that's
0: right. But. Well, well, Jill, thanks for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. It was a fun conversation about a not so fun topic i
1: know and, and that's the that's the that's the fun part though is there's so many personalities there's so many awesome and two-way i mean this community that's something that i have learned is that it is so diverse and it is so expansive that even though we don't all see eye to eye there are so many great personalities and just awesome people in this organization, in this in this world. And it's just, it's amazing to me that they're, you know, like, I mean, it really is. It is amazing. Like when meeting y'all, I'm like, oh, so amazing. There are people like me out there. We do know? exist. <laughs> because we're, not, we're not a unicorn. Yes. <laughs> I'm just talking to myself. Yay. But yeah, but we, um, it really is. It's a really great community and I appreciate y'all very much for giving me this opportunity as well. So. Well, thank you. Thank you.
0: All right. Until next time, don't be a little bitch.
3: Yeah.